and she was daddy's little girl. They had a special bond. But this, to him, was not going to stand. And they, that first week was very tense as she expressed it to us. And she's, she's went, uh, she, she told her dad, Daddy, I want to be baptized. I've got to be baptized. I've got to obey the Lord. And he said, absolutely not. And they went back and forth, and I'll shorten up the story, but basically she said, finally, after going back to the pastor and saying, I can't be baptized, what am I going to do? I'm caught between my dad and the Lord, the 17-year-old Hispanic girl. And he said, you just pray for your dad. You just obey him and pray for him right now. We'll see what the Lord will do, and I will pray for him too. So she went back home, and in conversing with her dad, she said, please, Daddy, don't, don't put me in this predicament of having to obey you or obey the Lord. And finally, he said this. He said to her, you, I'll tell you what, honey, Teresa, if you can show to me from the Bible that you are right and the Catholic Church is wrong, then I will allow you to be baptized. And so the evening came where they sat down together with her Bible open, and she's a brand new Christian, just starting to learn. And she found a verse that she thought might help. So she went to one of Paul's letters to Timothy, and she read it to her dad and said, Dad, look at what this says. The Bible says that there is one mediator between God and man the man Christ Jesus. Not a priest, not behind confessional curtains, none of that. We have one access to God through Jesus Christ himself. He's the mediator, Daddy. And to make a long story short, that very evening, in tears, he gave his life to Christ. And in addition to that, of course, he kept he followed suit. So the very next day, he gathered all of, her less, all of her younger siblings together and the wife and said, well, we're making a change. <laughs> Where I go, you go. And he, he took the whole family and started bringing them to the Baptist church. And, of course, he ended up getting baptized and renouncing false doctrine and the gospel of the grace of God in Christ. His wife came to Christ, her siblings, the whole family ended up coming to Christ because she had the courage to share with her daddy. And as she's sharing with Kathy and I, she's, tears are coming down her cheeks and we're wiping tears away because she was so sweet, just precious. And then shortly after that, she went off to Bible college, met Raul, they were married, and they began their life and ministry together, 27 faithful years to this one single community. Not a great story. That was the highlight of the conference, just hearing her powerful testimony. Well, to, to wrap up today, I just want to spend just maybe five minutes here. We're going to really breeze along, but I just want you to see this one text of Scripture. It's from Matthew chapter 9. And in Matthew chapter 9, 
verse 35 through 38. You can look up on the screen if you'd like to and follow along because I'm going to move along fast. But in verse 35, we're simply asking the question, uh, we're look, where did Jesus go, what, what, where, where he went, and what he did. That's verse 35. It basically says this. Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. So, he went both to cities, larger populaces, but he didn't ignore the little out-of-the-way hamlets and villages. He went to those as well. Secondly, when he did this, what did he see and what did he feel? Verse 36, seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. And I've read this for many years, and I don't believe that I will ever fully appreciate verse 36. And here's why. Compassion in the heart of God is an attribute of God. It's, it's his character which means then that he is without limit, without measurement, without boundaries to the greatness of his compassion. And you take all of the eternal compassion of God and put it in a man. And when Jesus looked upon them and felt compassion, he was feeling not just the human compassion that we're all capable of, but he felt the very heart and compassion of God for them because he saw their condition. Do you think those two words, they were distressed and dispirited, does that describe our society at all today? It does, doesn't it? So then what did he say? And what where are we, were we told to do? The disciples then and now. Look at verse 37. Then he turned to his disciples and he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. We have a problem here, boys. There is a harvest that's plentiful. But we're short of workers. And too many churches across our country are filled with people who have been fed God's word and truth for years and years and years, and they are literally obese with the word of God. And there are people who don't even know a verse. Never read the Gospel of John. Never been exposed to the truth of God's mercy and grace in Christ. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And then this is what he told them to do. Therefore, beseech. Cry out to. Pray to and make request 
of the Lord of the harvest. To do what? To send out workers into his harvest. Now, I recognize that the body of Christ all over the world is a, there's a great variety among us who know the Savior. We go by lots of different labels, lots of different denominations, and so on. We're told in one day we'll be, with, we'll be all together, and those distinctions won't matter. We'll just be there from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. But for right now, God has not called us to try to be all the other denominations. We have partnered in a good faith partnership with Village Missions. And for 50 years, nearly 50 years, they've sent leadership here. And they continue to do that. But there's 28 fields right now in need of leadership. And according to this passage, the Lord looks upon those communities, those little rural places, and says, the harvest is plentiful, but I have a problem. The workers are few. I need someone willing to pay the price, by the way. We don't, the mission doesn't look for anybody who thinks they're something on a stick, who thinks that they are God's gift to the church. Nobody wants that. When Kathy and I were asked to come to Kettle Falls, it never entered our mind. Honestly, there wasn't e it, were, there it wasn't even on the list of questions, what will they pay us? Finances never entered the question. And when we came, the church was at about half salary, if I remember right, Kath. We had a nice home provided by the church and support that way, but the church here couldn't afford a salary, a livable salary. And over the years, the church has grown, and God has provided us with very faithful people who love the Lord and who give generously from their hearts to him, and we've been able to um, get by and to live comfortably. Not to stockpile, but to just get by like you do. And these little country churches we're talking about, many of them are just like Kettle Falls was 32 years ago. They can't afford a pastor. And Village Missions comes along and says, we'll send you a family qualified to lead you and to preach and to love you and to serve you. We'll send them and we will underwrite a certain amount that will bring them up to the level of support they need to live there. What a gift. Did, many of you don't know that the church in Lewiston, Idaho, where Kathy grew up, did you know that for the f over the first 20 years we spent here, they sent us $200 a month? Every month for 20 years. Another man who was a very intelligent accountant and college teacher, kind of like our Rick Hansen, I taught a class in Salem, Oregon, and we connected in heart and had some really good conversations. And when we left to go into, into the mission, he and his wife, without us even realizing it, pledged $75 a month to us. And they continued that giving, I don't know how many years, Kath? 18 years, I think, they sent $75 a month. Why? So we could be here so we could live. 
So I'm grateful for Village Missions. Did I not believe in their mission and in our focus of reaching rural America, then we would have done something different. But I am loyal to our mission because I believe in it. And I kind of like raising a family in a rural place like this. How about you? But there may be, even within our own ranks here, someone that God's call will be upon. And they're willing, willing to sell the farm and follow God and do so by faith that the Lord will provide. Who knows what God will do, but the application of this whole section is simply this. He doesn't tell us to do anything except pray. Pray that God will raise up workers that can be sent to these needy places to bring the gospel to them. Well, it's wonderful to be back. And before I close in prayer, or do we have a closing song, Kath? Or are we going to? Yeah, I'll close in prayer in just a moment. But just to put a bug in your ear, we are trying to figure out, you know, we don't have the group from Dallas, Oregon coming over for us. We're on our own this year for Vacation Bible School, but we're thinking about a way to modify it, maybe reduce it to three days instead of five days. And um, we're trying to figure out how that might work. So um, be praying about that, and I hope that you'll uh, be considering how you might help, how you might support that uh, VBS outreach to the kids of our community. And with that, I think we'll just stand and have closing prayer. And um, 